Well, good morning. My name is Nathan. Uh, if you don't know me, and there's plenty of people I don't know, uh, there, there seems to just be this influx of people coming in left, right and centre over the last uh, probably six months, actually, uh, of people that uh, I know, some I don't, some I haven't met. So I'm Nathan. Uh, I am married to this gorgeous lady down the front, Renee, and I have four lovely kids, Phoebe, who's helping downstairs, Holly, and then Elisha, and then Eve. Um, I teach uh, for my day job uh, out at Toowoomba Christian College, teach two days in year five, and then uh, deputy head the other three days, and, um, and uh, enjoy doing that. Um, I've also been part of Restoration Church. Um, I was uh, sitting with, uh, standing outside a, uh, a uh, school building. Pete was also a teacher out at Toowoomba Christian College, and he came to me one day and said, uh, I need to talk to you. And uh, he said, I think God wants me to plant a church. And he told me for his whole life he never wanted to be a pastor, <laughs> which is sort of the ways of God. Um, and, uh, and I said, let me think about that and pray about that. And, uh, and about five minutes later, I said, yep, let's do it. <laughs> I was keen. Uh, it had always been something on my heart. And, uh, and here we are today. Um, it's been a wild ride, uh, but uh, we, we stand here and we give thanks to God and honour to God for, uh, for the wonderful work that he's done um, through Restoration Church. Today, I, uh, I'm going to finish off our uh, series in Ecclesiastes. So if you haven't been here, uh, week one um, of January, we, uh, we had a sermon on Ecclesiastes. Week two, had a second sermon last week, and uh, this is week three of the series. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that all this talk of hevel and smoke and meaninglessness is untimely, uh, given the natural boost one feels at the beginning of a year. You're like, new year, new opportunities, new possibilities. Meaningless, hevel, smoke. <laughs> that doesn't sound very appealing or positive, does it? <laughs> um, and and uh, that's, that's, yeah, that's a fair feeling. I get that. Um, I, I am, though, really pleased with uh, how David served you in the first week. I think, he, uh, I think he, he preached in such a way that provoked excellent thought, uh, thinking about the meaninglessness, the hevel of life. Uh, life lived under the sun, and then um, he, uh, the, the smoky intangibility of meaning and purpose, um, living life apart from God. And then Doug preached last week with great passion about how we can live well in this heaven world under the sun. His answer was to turn to Christ in the garden, in the tomb and on the cross. We have a saviour who has lived, died and conquered the agony, pain and mountaintops and frustrations of this life under the sun. Well, this week, we're going to listen in to the wealthy wise teacher as he discusses work and toil. Now, I'm going to uh, define work based on the dictionary definition. Work defined as engaging in physical or mental activity in order to achieve a result. So this doesn't necessarily mean just work as a vocation. So I'm, I'm, th I'm thinking about everyone who doesn't necessarily work in a particular job for a particular organisation. Think about work more broadly because I think that's what Ecclesiastes does. Um, or toil... Toil is defined as working extremely hard or incessantly. Um, now, across our lifetime, humans spend about one-third of our life in voca vocational work. 
So I am talking about vocational work there. That doesn't include the toil that happens just in a regular household from day to day. Um, particularly the toil of parents, mums and dads, who uh, work within their home and work tirelessly uh, on behalf of their kids, on behalf of the home, um, just to keep the home running. Um, I, I'm also including uh, the work that students do. I know that there's students sitting out there. Um, some students have just finished, I'll look over here, some students have just finished high school, um, but there's work to do, no doubt you know that. Um, some students are going back into a year of high school or primary school. Um, there's, there's also some who are retired. Um, and, and you're not necessarily working in an organisation. Uh, but I think Ecclesiastes still speaks to you as well. Um, when it comes to our approach to work, I'm boiling it down to three possible approaches. Um, first of all, the approach is it's a joke. Uh, second of all, it's hevel. And third of all, I think there can be hope uh, in the work that we do. First, let's look at uh, the idea that it's a joke. Avoid it. Scripture says it's meaningless anyway, so why do it? Just give it up. Go and find something else to do other than work. Um, my, my, as I've thought about that, I mean, good luck. You, you've still got work somehow, somewhere to do, even to not do work. Um, great example of this was we were on holidays recently. Um, our family took a couple of weeks in our old little van uh, down the northern New South Wales coast, and uh, we sort of hopped from beach town to beach town. Um, had a great old time. But every time we wanted to go to the beach, we have four kids, you can imagine... We had to clean up from breakfast. Work. <laughs> then, then we had to get them sunscreened. Like, that is... <sighs> 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Sunscreen, togs, hats, bags, boogie boards, whatever. You, like, even on holidays, you have to work. Uh, I, it, it is very Aussie, though, um, to, to have a joke about work. Um, it, the popularity of shows like The Office. Has anyone watched The Office before? A few with that quirky sense of humour, yeah. <laughs> Utopia. Anybody watched Utopia? Yeah, a few others with the quirky sense of humour. <laughs> if you haven't, they, they, they are quite a good laugh. It's, uh, it's a bit of um, taking the mickey out of work. Um, another, another person who gets this and gets it really well is uh, this guy. He wrote the cartoon Dilbert. Um, I know this is one of Pete's favourites, he's the one who introduced me to it. Um, here's his rendition of success as one lazy, the guy in the green, one lazy guy, sod I call him, uh, speaks to this excited new employee. Remember, ASOC, success requires hard work and sacrifice. Got it. I will work, as, I will work hard and sacrifice. I was going to say, that's why you should avoid success. Who brainwashed you? <laughs> Uh, or, or what about this, his rendition of the work-life balance? Uh, we're no longer using the term work-life balance because it implies that your life is important. Now we call it work-life integration, so it's easier to make you work when you would prefer being with loved ones. And I'd like to give big thanks to those of you who never had a life. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you might feel like that. Sometimes you might feel like you work, and you work, and you work, and you just never have a life. <laughs> it leads quite nicely into uh, the second approach, and that's that 
uh, work is heaven. This is where we open up to Ecclesiastes. So I wonder if you'd uh, go with me uh, to Ecclesiastes. And we're going to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. It's here that the writer, the teacher, seems to be um, getting to a point where he's just finding anything that he's done with his hands, any work that he's done, seems to be this meaningless waste of time. So Ecclesiastes 2, and uh, we're going to read from verse 17. So let's read together. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. I'll make a comment on that later. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. This too is meaningless. Have you tasted that kind of work? There's been multiple times throughout my uh, working life, I'm talking about vacation here, my working life where I have worked and worked and worked and worked. I've built paperwork, I've built systems, um, even some of the stuff that I've done here in, here in uh, the church. There's been things that I've put together and, uh, and then I finish in a particular role and I go to another role uh, and somebody else takes that over. And um, I'm not bitter about this, but... <laughs> You laugh because it sounds like you know what I'm talking about. But, but you, they don't talk to you about it. They build their own systems. They do their own work. They might take a bit of what you've done. But then it feels meaningless. It's like I've busted my gut for that. <laughs> and then someone else has just gone and not used it. Sometimes it gets used and that's, uh, that, that's, there's pleasure in that. But I sort of get this whole, I'm working hard, I'm toiling, and then someone else takes it over and I have to leave it to them. Um, This can be particularly difficult if you're a parent and you've busted your boiler to bless your kids and serve your kids and you've, you've done your very best and then they take what you've given them and don't use it. Maybe they walk away from their faith. Maybe... Uh, they, they choose to live a completely different life that's opposing to what you've tried to invest in them and teach them. You get this meaningless, this, this taste of, uh, of painful, heavy, smoky toil. Have you ever stayed up late? Have you ever worked overtime just to try and get something that you needed to get done? Trying to meet a deadline. Uh, if you're a student trying to hand in or get an assignment done, <laughs> you're toiling, you're late at night, you're anxious, there's these things going on inside you. I've got so much to do. The heart's just going nuts, it's going pretty wild. Maybe it's even actually increased the heartbeat because you feel this pressure of getting this work done by a particular time. Um, I think you've tasted what this guy's talking about. 
Then you jump over to chapter 4, verse 4, and it says this, And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Have you ever tried to um, be better and do better because you saw someone else who did better and you wanted to be better like them? Have you ever been envious of somebody else's success? Um, Now this is, I mean, the Aussie thing to do with someone else's success is just come down. (laughs) It's all poppy syndrome, you know, like let's just keep them small, We we don't want them really being successful. At least I don't want them to feel successful. Um, I think you get what the teacher's talking about here. This envious drive to succeed, this envious desire to achieve more and more and more. Uh, The teacher says this all roots from a sin of envy, comparing ourselves with others, feeling sorry for ourselves and trying to do it better. But you still get to the end of that road and find smoke. It's still not enough. It's still this meaningless sort of, ah, I thought I had it, but now it's gone. Work. Well, at this point, the teacher's discussion seems to be growing discontent. He is so unhappy about all the work he has done. He hated, you go back. Verse 17, I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. Now, I don't think there's nothing good that he did. And I also don't think there's nothing that he built that still exists. But he still gets to the end and it's smoke. Nothing. Hevel. It's meaningless. But then it takes a turn. Take a look with me. Go back to chapter 2 and in verse 24. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Now, this is part of the wildness of Ecclesiastes, and it's why I'm not going to sit in here too much longer. (laughs) Because it seems to be this total opposite. It's like, hold on, you've just talked about how much you hated life. You've just talked about how meaningless all this is. And then you're going to say... Uh, but there's nothing better for a man to eat and drink and enjoy the work that he does. Oh, that sort of, it, it rips. It, it's, it's difficult to try and grasp. But I think he's doing it because there's possibility that the work that you and I participate in can be meaningful. That the work you and I participate in can be a contented enjoyment where you get to eat and drink and do the very normal things of life with gladness. Not with anxious, not with envy, not with joylessness, but with gladness. And so that's where I want to move now. I didn't want to spend too much time there. I wanted to spend time more looking at what does work look like for 2023. If you're a student, you're going to do work this this year. If you're um, a parent, you're going to do work this year. If you're working in an organization, you're going to have work to do this year. No doubt some of you have already started. Let's go over to chapter 12 and look at verse 13 now. We're going to be jumping a little bit through scripture, so, uh, so be ready. Um, he, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. 
This is where he's come to the end of all his writings in this particular, in this particular book, and uh, he's coming to a conclusion. This is how he concludes. Um, I'm just going to read just a little before. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. And this is what I'm going to springboard to now for how this relates to our work. Fear God and keep his commandments. In particular, I'm going to hone in on the keeping his commandments bit. And automatically you're going to go, oh, more work, keeping more commandments. <laughs> That's not my point. I don't want you to go there. Here's, here's my question. What do, what do God's commands have to do with work? Um, when I say the word God's commands, who thought straight away about Ten Commandments? Anybody? Okay, a few people. Who thought about the Old Testament and all the laws in the Old Testament? Did anybody think about all the laws in the Old Testament? Okay, okay. Um, who thought about Jesus' commands? One person, two people? Jesus' commands. Early in history, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and they seem to be the commandments... The laws by which God's people would live. Not the laws by which God's people would be restricted, but God's, the laws by which God's people would live. They would have the best life if they followed these commands. These were subsequently added to and taken from throughout the story of God's people until Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ boiled all the laws and all the commands of the Old Testament down to two. They were... To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as you love yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. You better believe that obeying God's laws is the best way to live your life. The best. Panam. If you want the gladdest, most meaningful life, the most delightful life that you ever could live, then you obey these commands. I want to take these two commands and uh, see how they work out, or how they might work out practically. First of all, loving God. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let me ask you, which of these faculties, heart, soul, mind, strength, do you use in your work? All of them. But what's interesting, and this is probably how I've lived most of my life, is when I go to work, when I go to do work, I rarely think about the God that I'm meant to be loving in my work. There's often this separation. And, and perhaps one way to measure it, and, and this will come out through, throughout, one way to measure it is how many times when you are doing work, how many times do you pray? How many times do you think about the God for whom you are living, the God for whom you are loving um, as, you, as you work? You can see probably that there's this distinct separation. Oftentimes I'm driving home uh, from, from work in a day um, or I'm finishing the day and I'll reflect and I go, huh, I hit a number of snags today and I didn't ask God for help in one of them. <laughs> I just got about doing it on my own. And in that, I think we go back to the ecclesiastical uh, 
the, the hevel. You're working apart from God. You're working under the sun, and there's no connection with this God with whom you love so dearly. And I think the way to make work meaningful, the way to do your work meaningfully and purposefully, and to have life about it, is to stay connected with God. Um, this is an image of a tree in our backyard. Um, we've been living in our house this year for eight years, and um, this tree, this particular tree, we bought as a young shoot. It was like a single stalk, planted it in the ground, most of all because I loved climbing trees and I wanted my kids to be able to enjoy climbing trees. Uh, so I uh, planted this tipuana, and uh, we planted it, and within a few months, it had been chewed down to literally this much of the root, this, this much of the stem uh, in the ground. Some cheeky animal had gotten in and uh, chewed it down. I was pretty frustrated and pretty angry and thought, ah, oh, well, just leave it. Let's see what happens. And this is what happened. Uh, probably seven and a half, seven years down the track, we've got this glorious, huge tree with, uh, with sprawling branches. You can imagine the branches that are connected into that tree, how strong they are, right? They're strong enough for me to climb. I've often climbed the tree with my kids. Um, they're strong enough for the kids to climb. Um, as they get skinnier and skinnier, they sort of droop a little more. But you can imagine, you can understand how staying that, that tree branch staying connected to the tree gives it strength and it gives it life. Even when it loses all its leaves, the tipuana loses all its leaves and then they all go back again. It's quite amazing. Um, you're seeing it in its most fruitful stage right now. Uh, the most fruitful branches are very strongly connected into the tree. And I think this is what life is like, specifically when it gets into, uh, into work, in relation to work. You need to stay, we need to stay and remain connected to God. There has to be a way we can stay connected to God. Ecclesiastes 3, 14 to 15 says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. This is the kind of work I long for. I long for work that God gets done through me that will last forever. And it's the kind of work that any person who loves Jesus ought to long for. Work that goes far beyond you, far beyond what you could do on your own. So here's a few ways that I think we could uh, remain connected to God even in our work. First of all, choose who you work for. Choose who you work for. Now, I don't mean your boss. I don't mean go and find another job because your current job's hevel. No, I don't mean that. I'm saying choose who you work for. Colossians 3, verse, uh, verse um, 23 and 24 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it's the Lord Christ you are serving. Do you long for the Lord Christ to say to you at the very end of your life, well done, good and faithful servant. You've served me in your work You've served me in uh, your activities, all the activities that have happened under the sun. You've served me well. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because that's ultimately, if you go back into Ecclesiastes once again, you'll find that God's going to judge every deed. He's the one you're going to be answering to in the end. 
your boss, that might probably be forgotten. (laughs) The person you're working for, that will probably be forgotten. But God, with whom you love, yeah, he won't be forgotten. He won't forget you. So, work hard. Do this work under the sun, but do it remaining connected to him, as if he is your master, because he is. But notice it doesn't finish just with that. It says, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the, from the Lord as a reward. He's not just this slave master who's going to whip you down and keep you small and crush you just so that he can get ahead. No, he's like, come and serve me. I'll be your master and I'll give you the greatest reward. And this reward, this reward's going to last into eternity. Come and serve me, Jesus would say. Second, choose when you work. First of all, choose who you work for. Second, choose when you work. Sabbath. I think in relation to work, Sabbath is one way to actively love God and orient your life to him. So you being here today means that you've chosen to Sabbath in a way. You've chosen that work, while it has its place, is not as important on this day as coming to worship God with other believers. Now, does this get you brownie points with God? No, (laughs) it doesn't. God's not looking at your Sabbath list and going, oh, check, 250,000 times Nathan Gilmore went to church. No, 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 that's not about. God instituted this because he knew it's good for you to rest and not to work all day, every day. It's a good thing for you to come and hear God's word and to orient your heart and your life to him. Because maybe there's things that are going wrong for you. And it's good for God's word to come across, uh, come and, come across that for you to go, oh, I'm, I shouldn't keep living that way. I'm sinning. I need to repent. I need to turn back and find the refreshment of God's mercy and his grace. Peter Kreeft, um, one of my favorite authors, says it this way. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Take sabbaticals. Learn the art of leisure. Learn to relax and enjoy God's gifts and learn to enjoy God. Be still and know that I am God, the word says. If you do this, you'll learn that God is not a boss but a father and that we are not his worker bees but his kids. This will make everything different. For instance, we'll see that the universe is his toy box for us and that the ocean is a perfect toy, always willing to play with you, just dangerous enough to be exciting, never needing replacement, unbreakable, never boring, and you don't even have to put it away when you finish playing with it. Watch how little kids treat it. They know what it's for. Be an adult only six days out of seven. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. We know we have to work, but we forget we have to play. Poor God. He doesn't have to command us to work, but he has to command us to play. Sabbath. Sabbath is just as much about work as it is uh, about taking a day off. It's a time to re-engage with God. It's a time to know that, you know, all the productivity of my work can wait for a day. And I'm going to trust God with that. I'm going to honour him in, uh, in worship. I'm going to fellowship with other believers. I'm going to take time to rest and enjoy the world that God's given me. 
Next, third, first of all is choose who you work for. Second is choose when you work and Sabbath. And third is exercise your soul at work. One of my favorite stories in scripture is uh, Nehemiah. And uh, this Old Testament prophet um, was working um, in a kingdom that uh, wasn't, that was separate from uh, God's people, from where uh, he was meant to be. And um, he, he became more and more troubled that God's people, his people, were disbanded all across, um, all across the land. Um, and so uh, Nehemiah uh, starts to become really sad about this. And as he's, um, as he's really sad, he actually goes and gets about his work. And uh, his work is to be cupbearer to the king. I'm just going to read it to you now. Um, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, and it's in verse 1 to 5. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. Some people have said that if you go sad into the presence of the king, uh, it communicates the wrong thing and you can lose your life. So Nehemiah is uh, taking a huge risk here. And he's not putting on a cool face. Like he's just honestly going before the king. I'd not been sad in the presence of the king before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Very unusual. And this next line, you can hear, this is mid-conversation. Mid-conversation between him and his boss. Imagine it that way. The king's, uh, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. Momentary prayer. Just before you walk into your, into your workplace in the day, momentary prayer. God, bless the work that you've given me to do today. Just as you're about to walk through the, uh, the door of your, um, of your boss to discuss something perhaps more difficult, God, please give me favor with my boss today. Just as you're about to deal with a difficult situation, God, I need your help to say the right things here today. Just before you do your assignment, and it's really challenging and you don't really get it, God... Could you give me wisdom to get this assignment written the way I need to write it? Are you seeing my point? Exercise your soul in your work. Sometimes it's the forgotten part. Pray. You love the Lord your God. Ask him to help. He's a glad father. He wants to help you. And you can't imagine the kind of work that can get done as a result of you working with God rather than working apart from God. Choose who you work for. Choose when you work and take a Sabbath and exercise your soul at work. Now I want to finish up by looking at the uh, second command. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. I've been thinking about this and its relation to work. Um, and I'm wondering, is there any work that's not meant to serve somebody else. Just give you a second to think about it. I 
I, I can't think of work that's not meant to serve somebody else. You know, even, even the mundane work I might do in my garden, it actually serves the community because they get to look in and see a beautiful garden. Or it serves my family because they get to be in beautiful surrounds. Taking the trash out? How could that serve anyone? <laughs> well, it serves the people around us because we don't have dirty trash sitting in our household stinking it out. Is there any work that's not meant for the serving of your neighbour? I don't think there is. I think of an engineer. An engineer might sit in an office and uh, their work is to design and, uh, and, and plan how a machine might work or how a um, building might be built or... Um, Think about the work, even the work in an office, that work is actually meant to serve whoever is, is the job is for. I can't think of work, and you could prove me wrong here, and I'd love to chat with you after if you do. Um, if you're a parent, your work, your work is the work of loving your neighbour. If you're a young person here today and uh, you're thinking about what kind of work, vocational work, you might do in the future, you know, it's actually for the fulfilment of Jesus' command to love God and to love your neighbour. Your work is not made for your advancement. It's not made just for you to go and achieve something great and for your name to be plastered somewhere. No, that's not the point of your work. Jesus said the, the greatest command is to love God and to love your neighbour as you love yourself. And guess what? You'll find the greatest delight in loving your neighbour through your work. If you're a tradesman, you do your trade. You build. You put bricks down. You dig holes. You, you do whatever you need to do, but you're doing it with someone in mind. Whoever's going to live in this house, whoever's going to work in this building, whoever's going to play in this park, whoever's going to... Whatever it is, it seems to me that it's possible for you to do it in love for a neighbour. And I think it's the very thing that gives purpose and point and meaningfulness to whatever work you're doing. You get to keep God's commands, all two of them. There's not lots. All two of God's commands even through your work. And it's possible, I think, to do it with God, not apart from him. It's possible not to reach the end of every day and just find yourself in this heavy, meaningless, smoky, pointless uh, uh, point in life. It's possible to delight and enjoy, exactly as the teacher said, to enjoy the work you've done because you know you've done it in love for God and love for your neighbour. In very practice, I wonder if there's a way that you could uh, think about right now the people for whom your work is serving. The people for whom your work is serving. And I wonder if you could pray for them. You know, one of the greatest ways, if you've got um, people who you don't yet have a heart for, if you don't yet have an inclination towards... Um, one of the greatest ways for you to have an inclination towards them is to pray and to seek God on their behalf. Perhaps it's students at school. Perhaps it's um, uh, customers coming in in retail. Perhaps it's the boss 
perhaps it's your um, workplace, um, your, your co-workers, whoever it is, I wonder if you could pray for them. And I want to give you a moment right now even to do that. Pray. And see God do great work through you, wherever it is that you work, and whatever work that it is that you have to do. Let's come back uh, to the tree. This is the same tree. Um, I took the photos just this morning. And this particular branch was a low-hanging branch. And uh, as kids do, they love to hang on branches. So this, this branch was low enough for lice to jump on and to hang on and then jump off. Like he'd, he'd just swing, he'd have a great old time. And, uh, and this one day, uh, all the kids were having a good old crack at the, uh, the swinging branch. And the branch um, snapped. And it tore off the, um, off the main branch there. Answer me this. Do you think it's alive or dead? What do you think? Alive? It's what? It's still connected. You can see, here's where it's torn, and it's just hanging on, like the main part of the, of the branch uh, is torn, and it's just hanging on by the bark. And you keep following it down, as you come down and keep coming down, and here you see these green shoots coming off. It's been hanging, looking dead for ages. And I, for whatever reason, didn't tidy it up. It's the kid's tree. I sort of left it as it was. Um, and, and I was mowing the other day, and I looked over, and I'm like, you what? There's life in that thing? It's only hanging on by a tether, by a bit of bark. I could, I could take that, rip it off, and it would be no trouble at all. And I wonder if this is sometimes how you feel, particularly in relation to the work that you're doing. Maybe your life, like this branch, has been a bit torn and it's only hanging on to God by a tether. Maybe the work that you've been doing is so exhausting and you've been working apart from God and it's, you're, just, you're just tired. Maybe you're burnt and you feel really bitter by the people in your workplace. Maybe they've mistreated you and it feels like you've just been torn and it's painful and it's really difficult. Well, if you belong to God today, you're still tethered. You're still connected to him. And it's still possible for you to come and to join back in with God and be completely connected so that the strength and the life that God has for you would be returned. Maybe the returning for you is repentance. Maybe the returning for you is just saying, God, I'm sorry I forgot. I've just been working on my own. I've just been doing it in my own juice. And I don't even know how to work with you. But I really want to. And I would look forward to seeing the kind of fruit and the life, even though there's been life already, I'd look forward to seeing the fruit and the life that would come from you in this year, 2023. Maybe you're feeling totally connected. And again, I, I've, I've 
preached in such a way today that, that it would make sense that not just people in pastoral ministry are able to do this. Do, do you see what I'm saying? It's not like just the pastors and ministers can be connected with God in their work. It's not like um, just the children's workers and the community pastor. and um, It's not just those that can be connected to God in their work and strongly connected. I think every person, every child of God can be strongly connected to Jesus and bearing wonderful fruit as they go about their work. Not forgetting him. I look good students this year, young men and women who are going to school and who'll have work to do. You know, you, you can write assignments to bless your teacher. You can write assignments in such a way that would love your neighbour. Your neighbour is your teacher. <laughs> your neighbour is your, uh, gr- the people in your group work. Uh, you, could, you could work in your class in such a way that would love and bless your neighbour. And I want to call you to that because it will be the best life as you honour the God that you love. So let me pray. Let me just give you a moment. I'd love for you to uh, personally respond to the Lord in relation to your work this year. I'd love for you to just to come back and connect with him again. Perhaps you want to pray for your co-workers, pray for your children, pray for whoever it is that you're serving and loving as you do your work. Our Father, work has been part of your plan for us since the beginning. Right back in the beginning when you first created man and woman, you gave them work to do. And it was good. And it was delightful. And we don't want to run and escape and try to get out of work, Lord. We want to take the work you've given us and we want to do it in obedience to your commands, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. We want to choose to work for you this year. We want to choose to Sabbath well and trust you with the rest of our work. God, we want to choose to momentarily pray and exercise our soul as we get about the very simple mundane tasks that we do day by day. And we want to choose to work in a way that demonstrates love for our neighbour. Bless Restoration Church this year. Make us fruitful, I pray. More fruitful than we've ever been before because we're joined and connected to you. And we're getting about the work that you've got for us. In Jesus' name, amen.